0: That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com. Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmodo.
1: What's up, Movie Trivia SmoDown fans? Welcome to the Shmoedown Rundown, the official episode of the Movie Trivia Shmoedown. My name is Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by another name. You might know me as The Boat. Hashtag best of all time, hashtag Brad's been true, hashtag boat life, hashtag I'm on a boat. And again, for the second week in a row, I have no soundboard, but I have better internet, and I still have... West Coast Frank. Da, 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 da.
2: There it is. All right, but you know what? You got the internet. Let's get the soundboard back. Because honestly, look. Despite your your jingles that you would play for you, uh, I was liking this thing. I was liking this. I missed the air horn for oh myself. Oh my god, you're
1: my dreamboat for sure. Well,
2: wow, that's uncanny. That, you sound just like Leah Thompson. How do you do it? I dent a cow. <laughs> right. So look, this week uh, um, was was crazy week for the matches. And I didn't really get to talk to you about... It. Sometimes we talk during the week about like what happened with matches, you know? But this one, we didn't really talk. And there's something interesting also that happened in the week uh, that was brought to my attention. Because I kind of just want to just jump into it. Oh, okay. Well, let's go. Rapid yeah, fire. Yeah. Let's do because it. Because Kevin Smets was in the Gucci-verse th- this past week. And... Yes. Womp, 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 womp Sorry, Kev. And he brought up something that that Christian had said on SCN Live, and I forget the exact context, but it had to deal with the Intergeekham tournament. And Christian, to the effect, said something about looking for the next Robert Parker or the next Kevin or the next Mike Kalinowski. He did not say the next Kevin Smets, hmm. and Smets took exception to this. And I think a lot of it has to deal with the fact that it's been a while since he's played. There have been matches set up for him to play, but real life stuff happens, COVID, all that stuff. Uh, legitimate things that have gotten in the way from him playing through no fault of really anyone. And I think it's kind of built up and so then when this happened, you know, I watching his interview, Kevin Smith's interview with uh with Tom Diagnino and his whole Finsaka initiative uh, podcast. You know, they brought this up, and Kev was feeling slighted. And I get it because, you know, first of all, he hasn't been very visible aside from exhibition matches. And I uh, think he's getting restless. He wants to be a fighting champion. He hasn't had a chance to defend. Only one has been able to defend, and that's Bateman and Merle. And... I know Kevin wants to get back in the ring quick, but this whole being disrespected type of thing. Because then he brings he also brought up that like in promos you see a lot of times Kalinowski holding up the belt. You don't see Kevin Smets holding up the belt. So in some of these promo packages that have been rolled out, and this is coming from Kevin Smets' point of view. Now I, I want to ask you does does Kevin Smets a have a kind of like a legitimate gripe towards perhaps the league as a whole? About being disrespected, in a sense, and not being mentioned as you know someone that these up-and-coming players can aspire to be. Because if you're not mentioning the champ, but you're mentioning people who may have won the belt who don't have it anymore. Or a rookie that has a lot of hype behind them. And second of all, have you seen this type of thing either in like professional fighting, MMA, or boxing? Or how does that... Is there anything that... Because... Comes to my mind in wrestling would be kind of like the Vince McMahon, Steve Austin, you know, kind of dynamic. Where, 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 where do you when you hear this stuff? Like, what comes to your brain when you say, "I've seen this kind of thing before"? If at all. Well, okay. Well, first off,
1: I, I will say it. I'm sure that it was an offhanded remark from from Christian that had no meaning behind it whatsoever. But I, I will say that, um, yeah, I mean, I again, I think that when you when you talk about when you say stuff like that, oh, they could be the next blah, 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 blah. Sure, Kevin Smith is probably going to be one of the first three or four names you rattle. But, you know, Mike Kalinowski is a former two-time InterGeekdom division champion. Robert Parker was the most hyped, or is the most hyped, I should say, InterGeekdom player in the league. Uh, maybe the most hyped player overall in the league is Robert Parker in quite some time. So it makes sense that those are the first two that that, that come to mind. And sometimes when you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Kevin Smets hasn't played since December. You know, we're, we're going on uh, more than half a year since we last saw Kevin Smets perform. So you know, out of sight, out of mind type stuff. But have I seen it before? Sure. Um, I I don't know. Let's see. It's um, who's the you know current current featherweight champion is Alexander Volkanovsky, right in the UFC. But when you say oh, you know man, this guy could be the next, and when you're going to say a next great featherweight, you're going to say he could be the next Conor McGregor. He could be the next Max Holloway. You know, you don't always, the name isn't Alexander Volkanovsky that you always go to. So I, I guess I've seen it before. I don't read too much into it, but I know that we're in the Schmodown, which is similar to the wrestling, and if competitors are similar to wrestlers, they have massive, like this big, I can't even fit it in the, in the, in the screen. The frame is not big enough to describe the ego, and and rightfully so of most Schmodown players. And you know sometimes we can be sensitive. And I think that I think that this is no more. And I love Kevin Smets, obviously. Womp 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 womp. But I think that this is uh you know just uh, a little sensitive. He is the champ. The champ yeah. deserves respect. But I don't think that this was an intentional uh, omission of Mr. Smets' name.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with that as well. I think you know, and Kevin even said in the interview that like Christian's got a lot going on with you know how hectic this year has been, and so I I do chalk it up to kind of that. And it's you know the tournament's going on; these guys are in the tournament. Um, I think I think probably the the Robert Parker thing is the one where I would have a little more uh, an issue with. Yeah, no, but
1: here's the thing: because
2: but Kalinowski has had the belt, you know, and all that, so it's it's. That's if I'm Kevin Smats and I'm looking at it that way, you know? I could see that. But again, this is, this
1: is like what's going on with John Jones and Dana White right now or Dana White and Jorge Masvidal or any of those guys who are, who are in the middle of this crazy time. They're like, I want to get paid more money, more attention on me. And Dana White's like, I'm trying to put on fights during a global pandemic and you're talking to me about more money? I don't have any fans. I'm not doing any live events, yo. Know, you know, if I'm Christian, I don't, ha- I can't do any of that. And you're talking to me about your name didn't get brought up when I'm talking about inner geekdom players. Like, let's, let's, you know, Kev. Again, I love you, dog. <laughs> but let's just look at it. Let's look at it from the thirty thousand foot view of things. Does an omission of your name was it intentional disrespect? No.
2: So get over, it, pal. <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting? It does kind of. This is very uh roca-esque to me this kind of hey where's my respect you know like what are you talking Mm -hmm. about because this just happened like a last week on twitter where there's a whole exchange i don't know if anyone out there caught it um but it was an interesting exchange kind of dealing with the the respect type of uh attitude and mentality within the fan base and players alike so uh I, I do chalk it up to, like, the COVIDness ness though, get into everybody at this point. Because, you're right, we haven't been able to do a lot of things we normally would have liked to have done. And I think by this time, Kevin probably could have played twice had he defended against Mara in New York. And then, in like, Good talking turn. about, like, a normal world where everything was laid out, how he thought it was going to go. He probably would have played at Collision. And so he could have played twice and possibly defended twice. So that... That not being the case, uh, it's interesting that, that uh, I guess not interesting, but guess it makes sense that some of these frustrations are finally kind of uh, coming out at this point because Kevin has never wa- been one to publicly say things that that might be uh, that doesn't sit well with him. He goes, "Look, okay, this is what it is. I'll deal with it, but I'm not going to put it out there." And you know, he talks about he's like a subtweet and and blah 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 all that stuff. So for him to actually do it was surprising to me because I've had conversations with Kevin and and this never gets put out there. But this time it did. And that's what was interesting to me that he, I think he finally had enough, but is it all related? Probably not, but it just got to this point. So Interesting times for for champions because Dan Merle, you know, uh, the founding fathers. Even though Roca is you know is on backstage every week and he can say his piece uh, on whatever he deems you know it, whatever's on his mind. Uh, Kev doesn't really have that luxury, so in a sense. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that that Kev, in my in a way, kind of snapped, <laughs> if if you will. Um. Yeah. Again, you know.
1: There is you know one of my one of your favorite things that I do is when I speak rap lyrics.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and um
1: I think it I think it was on Pound Cake by Drake with okay. Jay Z on it. Jay Z starts talking about all the people he made millionaires, right? He was like, you know, Dame made millions, uh, Cam made millions, Ye made millions, we all made millions. He said Beans would tell you if he wasn't in his feelings, right? And and and, and I say that to say It's okay to you know feel yourself and to get into your feelings sometimes, but just like think about it. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. All right. Yeah. Come on, come on, Kev. Come on, Kev. Let's get past it, brother. Um, And I'm sure if we were talking to him today, he doesn't even feel like that anymore. It was like probably a momentarily, uh, like you said, Roca esque emotional response to something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have to bring um, up Roku so, once, a,
2: once a show, even if he's not involved. I think know? that's in your contract. It is, right? it is, I think actually. it's in your contract. on the third line. So.
1: But anyway, uh, Frank, we had three matches this week. Uh, we continue the Star Wars matches, the IG matches. Um, we have the Star Wars champion performing in Intergeekdom, which I guess is where we could start. Alex Damon, in his second IG match, took on the usual suspects, Jin Kemp, now I know Jen was pretty strong in fan league play, and a lot of people were, were touted her rather highly. We knew, we knew, we know what Alex Damon did in Atlanta, Georgia against Emily Rose Jacobson in his IG debut. We all said, hey, good debut, solid, definitely room for improvement. My first question to you, did Alex Damon improve from match one to match two in the inner geekdom? Well, when
2: you look at it statistically, yes. And I did not calculate his stats on my scorecard, but I do know that it is uh is it's better. You know, in his first match he answered uh seventy-six percent. And this one, you know, he went seven in the first round. Uh he went perfect in in Star Trek, not Star Wars, Star Trek, that's right. And then he hit his uh, his two pointer in the final round um, for a much better uh, per follow up performance than what he had in Atlanta. So when you know when I was watching this match with him, when I was watching him play, he looked way more confident to me in this match uh, than he did in Atlanta. Now maybe it's because of the two completely different settings, albeit it was still in Atlanta, in his hometown. But it was on a stage in front of people, and this one is, is in his home, in his office, uh, answering questions online. So it could be it could be that, but I just felt it seemed to it appeared to me that he was much more confident, which tells me that he's continuing to put in the work just like I think we all thought he would do. And I think he the more and more he 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 prepares, the more and more confidence he builds. And I think this match will do wonders for his confidence going into the next match against Brandon Hanna, uh, which will be quite an interesting matchup. But for this match right here, I think Alex Damon impressed me even more so than he did in Atlanta. Yeah, uh,
1: well, I'll tell you what impressed me most about him was him coming back. Right? Because uh, I think after round one, it was 9-7? 8-7, seven? Seven, I believe. nine uh, eight, eight eight seven, seven. yeah, yeah. 8-7. Eight, seven. Eight, seven. One. And one point, one point is one point, but at the same time one point is one point. Do you, do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean yeah. by that? Um, and, and I was a little bit worried because Jen Kemp came on strong in the second half of that first round is when she really started to get kick it into gear. And then going into round two, um, I know that he got Alex Alex Damon got Star Trek, which is not what he was shooting for. She got Wizarding World, is that correct? Yeah, she got Wizarding World. Right. Um and I will say pressure was on for Alex, of course, but really pressure was on for Roxy Stryer because this would be I believe four losses in a row if she didn't get this one. Is that correct?
2: Uh, I believe so. I can double check that. But yeah, she they uh, have at least 3. Done. They have at least haven't... 3 done well um i mean really at all this year aside from Mm. alex damon really so uh, as i look here at the standings on the showdownlive.com which are normally updated uh quite you know it as frequently what's that Mm -hmm. frequently frequently that's the word i'm looking for so (laughs) with with um with this match, yeah, they've they've lost four of their last five, lost two in a mm. row, but lost four of their last five. Uh, yeah, they were they were on a bit of a a rough patch, if you will. Yeah, so this was a
1: much needed win um, for Roxy, and I liked. I, I gotta say, Roxy really did very well keeping Alex calm, cool, and collected during this match. Saying, "Hey, it's only one point. You got this." Um, when he got Star Trek, did you expect for him to perform the way that he did? Because it was lights out for Alex Damon and Star Trek. Even though he had missed a Star Trek question in round one, which allowed Jen Kemp to get that one point lead on him.
2: Yeah, you bring up that Star Trek miss uh, in the first round, and so I was like, Oh, this will be interesting to see how he can navigate it. I thought I was like, Well, he'd probably do all right, he'd probably utilize multiple choice a lot like the way he did in in, in Atlanta. And that was not the case here. Once he started rattling off the first couple of questions, I said, oh, uh, I think we just stumbled into something that uh, could be pretty dangerous for Jen. And he goes, perfect. Two points on every single question. Doesn't give up a steal opportunity to Jen. And this is where I feel like when you defer in the second round, this is where it can backfire on you. Because he's only down by one to begin with. But now he goes perfect in the second round for all 10 points. Now, y- your margin for error is is much smaller now because he just went perfect. That means you have to go perfect to maintain your 1 point lead. If you go multiple choice just once and get it, now you're tied. And by the way, he's he was ranked or uh, uh, he was in the favorite's position in this match, so Even if it's tied, he has the advantage going into the final round. So you really want to – now if you're Jen, in your mind, you have to go perfect to maintain your lead, to maintain an advantage. So I think that's where it can backfire, and we'll see this in another uh, Usual Suspects match in my estimation. So interesting. It's a great response from Alex Damon being down by one to go perfect. Great performance, and like I said, he seems much more confident with this material now, now that he's had some more time since Atlanta. And this is what's going to make him dangerous and exciting for the inner geekdom, and really for this whole kind of Star Wars inner geekdom sliver of the Schmodown. I mean, he's really starting to conquer uh, both of these worlds one step at a time, of course, in inner geekdom. So uh, it's exciting to see him play this way, because now I go, oof, he could... Look, there was a talk I think earlier in the year of unifying these belts between Kevin Smets and Alex Damon. That reality uh, looks a little, little bit more possible if you ask me, with performances like this. Because otherwise, it could have just Kevin against Alex Damon and start of the year would have been a complete annihilation in favor of Kevin Smets. But what I'm seeing from Alex right. Damon now, who we ever get that it could be interesting, folks. Just saying.
1: Well, well, and here's the thing too. Because according to Alex Damon, he still isn't getting his strengths in intergeekdom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I mean, he's like, when am I going to get my strengths? You know, because uh, you know, he's let his hand go a couple times. Indiana Jones, most likely a strength of his. Back to the Future, most likely a strength of his. So it will be interesting to see um, what happens if Alex Damon even spins a Star Wars right you know, and slice that just, or that just almost that's seems the, that's the deadly one.
2: Yeah, this almost seems unfair. It's just you know, what are you to do. Throw your hands up, forget about it. You know, just tap out. That's right, when they should like,
1: implement the mercy rule. When I was in Little League, you know, we had six six innings, but if you were up by five after the fourth inning, they're like, "All right, wrap it up." <laughs> you know, you're not coming back from this. Here's your league. juice box, let's you know let's go. <laughs> let's go. All right. Participation awards will be giving out at the next team practice. But I think that I think that I think that, um, I think that it, it was really important for him to come back. Now, I want to ask you about the Sam Levine of it all. Sam was there in in the managerial role as is his job but here's my thing he was back to his usual ways for a usual suspect of i don't know if complaining is the right word but mm. pointing out differences between you know subject matter in the questions and categories did you feel <laughs> that Sam Levine had legitimate grievance in the differences between the difficulty and, and subject matter of the Star Wars questions that Alex Damon received and the Wizarding World
2: questions that Miss Jim Jen Kemp received. You know how America's pastime is baseball? I yeah. feel like Sam Levine's pastime is critiquing schmodown questions and categories of, of that sort. You know? Like, this is what he lives for. This is, you know, his uh, Saturday game of the week, if you will. Um, I'm kind of kind of lump in also how he how he managed with Janine into like this overall conversation in terms of how he manages, because to me, when I watched these two matches and how he managed and how what his responses were and and how he spoke to Janine and Jen, I felt like he comes off uh, uh, pretty salty in a, in a way. You know, um, yeah, things didn't go my players' way. You know, things went their way for the opponent. That kind of talk. Um, look, sure, I think everyone knows there's there's a, a degree of luck, uh, but I think him continually in both matches, I should say, pointing them out, pointing that out in both matches, doves give off this salty flavor uh, from Sam, if you ask me, which I think. There's a bit of uh, fun in that, but also at the same time, uh, I I know, I think a lot of people know how seriously uh, Sam takes the game, so when he says that stuff, it's not just to, you know, get a laugh out of somebody or out of the audience, it's, there's a tinge of actual reality within that, that he firmly believes. And I don't think he's wrong, but at the same time, I think we also acknowledge that this game is not perfect. It'll never be perfect. And, look, I'm not saying like you can't ever point this stuff out. But uh, I think because the matches were – both of them happened this week. I think it kind of puts more of a spotlight on it, if you will. So yeah. th- that definitely came through for me, especially because these matches were Thursday, Friday. So uh, that's how it came across to me. But it, it really is not that much of a shock to see it from Sam like that. Player or manager. He's gonna be the same type of guy who approaches that, that game. He's always very Sam Lavini about it all. <laughs>
1: yeah. if that makes sense, he's yeah. very Sam Lavini about it all. Um, I, my thing is this: is what makes it difficult for me to determine if there's any validity to his arguments is one, he always brings it up, so like you kind of eye roll a little bit on it. But but not even so much that that I, I don't I don't have an issue with somebody protesting about something. But I think that the validity is hard for me to decipher because in Energitum and Star Wars, I couldn't really tell you. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, couldn't, I couldn't really tell you if hey this is harder than that because I don't know any of the answers. <laughs> you know, I don't. Sure. I, I, now I, I will say I knew more of Jen Kemp's answers than I did Alex Damon's, but that's because I recently watched Harry Potter films and I've never watched. I don't think any of the Star Wars. I mean Star Trek movies except for the f- 2009 version. Oof. So that's the reason why I might not know those. So I wanted to just to kind of gauge you. Coming into the third round, um Alex Damon of course performing well, looked like luck was going to be on his side and then um it came down to a little franchise <laughs> five pointer came down to a little franchise called Back to the Future. Back to the Future. And, uh, you know, I know a little bit something about that, as do you. And um, the question was to Miss Jim Kemp, and it was the who plays Lorraine's brother Milton in Back to the Future. She did not get it. The the answer was Jason Hervey from The Wonder Years. Also was a television production partner with Eric Bischoff from WCW. Talk about Worlds Colliding. Yeah, they had a a company for a while that produced a few reality shows. So I did know that answer. I'm sure, assuming you did as well. Jen Kemp did not know it, and it cost her the game. And Alex Damon walks away with a much-needed win for the Rockstars. Roxy was through the roof. Yeah, This was a—I um, would say that this wasn't a huge loss for Sam Levine. Was, I mean, any loss is big at this stage in the game. But I think that for Sam, he is still—I don't know. He had not been around a whole hell of a lot. And I think that he still thought, okay, I've got Janine in this tournament. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I have Molly in Star Wars. I'm still doing all right. So I think that he was, he was a little bit more relaxed. This was a must-needed must, must needed win for Roxy Stryer. Alex Damon brought home the W for
2: the Rockstars in grand fashion. Yeah, I think they're – well, when, when you look at the Rockstars and Usual Suspects, every match that they play from here on out is must-win. They, they are so far behind in terms of – well, not so much the Rockstars, but definitely usual suspects. They're behind in terms of matches played. And now that you're in tournament, um, once you lose, that's it. You're done for the tournament. And remember, and, and another faction is going to gain another match or two or three or four matches. And once again, you're going to find yourself at the bottom of the pool in terms of volume of matches. And, and that's kind of um, the one drawback of the tournaments that are happening is that if you can't advance to really the semifinal or the final, you are going to be much further back in in standings. A, regardless, and B, I mean, obviously your volume of matches, which also dictates you know your opportunities for points. So, which is also, I was looking at tournaments, and this is kind of a different topic, but I was looking at the volume of matches and how could it, where is everything everything going to lay out and uh it's all i'll say is it's a good thing it's covid season if you will because if this was a regular season and stuff like this was happening i think we could have managers would have a lot more griping um to go about but looking at rock stars and and usual suspects first i want to say about jen i think she played great for an geekdom yeah. match. Um, I didn't really know too much of her history in terms of what division she was playing in Fan Leagues. I just know that that she she played well in Fan League play. Uh, so for her to come with geekdom and it looked like she wasn't an Inter, it sounded like in her promo uh, in her interview that she wasn't particularly in the inner geekdom uh, aspect for Fan Leagues. I could be mistaken. But that's what it sounded like. So for her to come in, do the work uh, and, and you know, obviously probably working alongside Janine and Rachel and Sam and whoever else uh, is a resource for them. I think you could definitely feel that that she definitely put in the work. I mean, eight, eight points in the first round, uh, that's a really great base. But then as you get into the second round, where things are a little bit deeper, this is where I think more time with the material um, is beneficial because you see the results of an Alex Damon with Star Trek, right? And you get into the third round, and I think she got a couple uh you know, someone some fans have pointed out this MCU question in terms of what's the third film released um, after Iron Man 2, and it could have sounded like what's the third film released after Iron Man 2, or what's the third film released overall. I forget the exact wording of the question, but it was interesting wording that, that fans had brought up, but uh, aside from that, I think, and I don't know Jen's mentality on that question, but... Aside from that, I thought Jen played really well, and I, I would definitely love to see her play again in Inner Geekdom because I think if she puts in more work with with the Inner Geekdom, she could be you know uh, a really solid player. And Inner Geekdom, you know, could use more women players like Jen for sure. Uh, Shmodan as a whole, really, and I, I would be thrilled to see her back in the Inner Geekdom match. Hopefully, I mean, at this point next year.
1: Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that she definitely has the talent. Obviously, yeah. I, I, like you said, I it didn't. I didn't get the sense that this was her first division that she would like to make her debut in and, and do it this way. But I think that she definitely has the talent. I didn't really have an issue with that MCU question. Yeah. I didn't know that people did. Um, I thought that it was pretty straightforward as to what it was asking for, and it was like the fourth film, right? They were asking for the fourth film. Yeah, I think in the MCU.
2: maybe, but I think it it reads better than it than it does when it's said aloud. I think that's mm, where mm. people were. Because, like, obviously I could read it on the screen and read along with what, you know, how it was being read or how it was being said, rather. But if you were Jen, I don't you know, know, that it reads the same as you're hearing it. You know what I'm saying? I, did, I never thought that that was an actual thing, mm-hmm. right? Like,
1: it's the same question. But I will say... Not in the Back to the Future match, but, you know, spoiler. Well, this isn't a spoiler. It doesn't spoil anything. But in the Bond match that I played, um, I, w- I did have to ask for more repeats because I was confused as to what I was being asked sometimes. Like, I didn't. I'm like, wait, hold on. What did you say? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I think I even did that in the Back to the Future match. Like, I was confused Maybe. as to what was being asked. So I'm like, can you ask that again? Because I don't know what you're saying. Um. So, yeah, I, I do think that... um. I do think that there there's some legitimacy there. I didn't I haven't heard though Jen um say anything publicly. Yeah, that I don't She had either. an issue yeah. with the way it was asked. So it might just be fans being fans. They're gonna complain about anything at <laughs> Sams uh, or you know, fans
2: being Sam's. If that
1: <laughs> fans being Sam's. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> woo, you're gonna get it for that. Right. But uh, yeah, a good win for Alex Damon. I say though, it's time to move on, Frank Janish. And it's time to talk about the Star Wars match. You had one, Ken Knapsack, being managed by Brandon Hanna of the Burning Drugs, And then you had another one. You had Ace Cabrera being managed by Winston Marshall of the Swag Squad sway sway drip drip yeah we coming for them shifts sway sway drip drip beating everybody we don't need a bit. sway sway drip drip everybody tripping slipping them the drip got the swag and we drip got swag and we drip sway serving the sauce we yellow but when's we ain't taking the loss you we got energy yeah so uh Winston Marshall big big match friend because he had the play in match the week prior with uh or two weeks prior whenever that was With uh, Josh Caveto, we all know how that turned out. So this was, though, his first real test in round one. And we're going to get to see a former Star Wars champion, the only former champion in this entire tournament, and Ken Knapsack. A lot of chatter about Ken. You know, was he going to study? Was he not going to study? Was he taking it seriously? Was he not taking it seriously? Was he going to come to play? Was he not going to come to play? Was he going to be the old veteran that just put the young guy over? Was ring rust going to be a factor? And when we talk about ring rust, it was obviously there. Uh, Ken Knapsack, in my opinion, had ring rust throughout round one. I think he only scored six points, I yeah. think, or yeah. s- in round one. Round two, he showed signs of struggle. I thought that it was a. It, we'll talk about that. But then by round three, he got kind of all polished up. Ace Cabrera came in. Now, he definitely had some misses, but he was sharp, man. Ace is sharp. He knows the Star Wars, and I don't think anybody should be shocked by that given his past, but um, what what were your overall opinions of Ken Knappsock's
2: play specifically in this Star yeah. Wars match? Well, let me address the ring rust stuff because I, I honestly yeah. don't think that was a particular factor here in this match for Ken, specifically in the round one, if only because these questions seem to be just on another level, and i would seen some other... Some other fans pointed out that these were more difficult first round questions than I think we had previously previously seen in other in other matches, and I, I tend to agree. You look, I mean, there's a point where Ken does miss three in a row, and in that same three in a row stretch where Ken missed, Ace also missed two in a row. So I, I think they were in that. Little, if, if you're going to say it was ring rust for Ken, then is a ring rust for Ace? But he just played, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I don't really buy into the ring rust argument full like you know 100% is there an element to it maybe perhaps um but the fact that you know um and and look honestly they missed if I go back and look at what they did in the first round they both missed on the force awakens question they both missed on the solo question they both missed on return uh return the jedi question and the only one that they split was the Phantom Menace question, which Ken got wrong and Ace got right. So other than that, they were pretty much on the same page. So that's why I push back a little bit on the ring rust thing, if only because it's Star Wars. It's one topic. It's not a whole lot to navigate in your mind. But if you want to put that out there, I, you know I'm not gonna 100% tell you you're wrong. But in my estimation from where I was I was sitting and the questions that were given, I think those were some more difficult first-round questions than that we had seen uh, in the previous matches. Getting into his second round, I thought you know, going with Rogue One was a interesting choice. Uh, I was trying to figure out, is it because maybe it's a newer film that he's covered recently in the past year or two or a handful, three, four years, whatever it's been now, uh, it's more fresh in his mind. I don't know uh, the reasoning behind there, or it was just was he one of these in one of these modes of playing off of his promo, where it's like, look, you guys drag me back into this. Let's let me just roll the let me just roll the dice with the first category I get, and, and let's see what yeah. happens. Yeah,
1: what was odd, what was odd is Ace went first, right, and he got um, Revenge of the get? Sith. He got Solo. He got Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Sith. Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. That's right. He got Revenge of the Sith, and then Ken gets Rogue One. So my thing with Ken not respinning, sure there's opponent's choice on there, but you know maybe um, he wants. To there, avoid no, Rogue I don't War. think there is opponent's choice on this wheel. Oh, not yeah, for Star you're Wars, right? Yeah, you're right. For Star you're right.
2: Wars,
1: yeah. So uh, you still had all the original trilogy on there, yeah. and you had the entire sequel trilogy on there. I don't know why you go with Rogue One, which is a great movie, probably. One of my favorites of the of the most recent iterations sure. of Star Wars, um, next to Force Awakens, and maybe for me, uh, uh, Skywalker, um, but I I don't know why you go to that one when you still have all that subject material that you have lived with much longer, for so much longer, especially like I said, original trilogy, even prequel stuff, you know, Episode One, Episode Two. Um, You you had more familiarity with that, you would assume. So sticking with Rogue One, I thought was a questionable decision. I thought as soon as he said, I'm going to stick with it, unless this is one that he had on repeat and he just thought, I'm going to go through this. But um, I don't know. I I definitely questioned his mindset in, in that particular instance.
2: I think there definitely is something to that. Because I, I thought the same thing. I was like, why not try and spin an original trilogy slice? Again, pointing to the fact of you spent most of your entire life with, with those movies. Mm-hmm. Much longer than you have with the newer ones, obviously. Prequels, sequel trilogy, and Rogue One and Solo. But then the other aspect is, well, maybe those round twos are a little bit deeper because they've been used more. But at the same time, like I'm still with you on the fact that you spent your entire adult life and even childhood, you know, with the original trilogy. So I, I would yeah. take, if I was Ken, I thought his, he had a better shot at landing an an original trilogy movie. So yeah, it definitely was interesting. Um, but he did take the advice of uh, Brandon Hanna, his acting manager for this match, which I think we really need to talk about this cat because what he did. In this match. Look, Brad. I loved it. I love seeing this. I know this. you did. I, I love seeing did. this. I love seeing this. Because A, I don't recall ever seeing this in any other in any other Schmodown match from a manager. Now granted, we don't necessarily get to hear the interactions from right. managers in between the matches. Mostly it's just promo work and, and post match stuff. But even in those areas, you know, I don't think I've ever heard sort of uh, uh, disparaging comments or backhanded comments towards their players right. uh, the way Brandon Hanna did. Uh, what, I don't, yeah, what did you think of how Brandon Hanna was a manager towards Ken in this? You know, I mean, I
1: I, I liked it. You know, I, I didn't I did not like it. I did enjoy it, but I do think that um, I I need the next step for Brandon Hanna. I know that he this this personality is still new but i want the next step like i get oh you know i mean this would be better if it were me or i i would have gotten this if it were me and i am the guy you know but for you it's good it's a good effort <laughs> i think that's funny but i want the next i want the next step you know like what what is what is um how are you going to evolve this character you know that's what i'm looking for and but i did enjoy this and i thought it was funny and he made me chuckle and i do like how he anointed himself the leader yeah. of of the burning droogs. i think that, that that is very within character that's what we want to see we want him to be like yeah um i'm the guy so you need to listen to me um i do i do enjoy that but i i, I want i want the next step you know what i mean do you know well, what i'm saying like like and I, sure. and I'm, I'm a, and I don't want to come off as,
2: as i'm criticizing at all because i'm not yeah, yeah i just want the next step do you know what i mean well I'll, I'll i'll say i i feel like this was kind of like another step for his character because it, it it was away from playing the game and it was a different aspect it was managing the game now and while it may seem somewhat similar in terms of his character as a player mm-hmm. i felt like he brought something different from the manager aspect by transferring over mm-hmm. his player mentality to to the manager as a manager mentality so i think maybe there there was that's that next step maybe not as quite as big as you would like it to see. So I'm curious, like, what do you think could be, I I mean, it's easier said than done. I think we're still, we're still surface
1: level. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want, I want, I want a little bit deep, just a little bit. I'm not saying, you know, jump in the deep end, but you've always stuck your toes in the pool. Like at least walk down those first flight of steps. Let's get like your thigh deep. And I just, I just want to see it move a little bit more, just a little bit. I just want like a little bit more than the, everything's about me thing. Like let's, Gotcha. To, yeah, like, I see what cause you're his, saying Because his, his, first, his first promo was the deeper stuff, right? It was those deep cuts, like, I'm hitting you, I'm hitting you. Uh, mm-hmm. Action Army, y'all just want to have a drink with John Roca, You want to do that, or whatever, right? That's what, I want more of that. You know, don't, don't for lack of a better term, well, I don't want to say that. This is a family show. But don't blow it all.
0: Yeah, I uh, gotcha. You know,
1: right? <laughs> right off the gate you know what i mean yeah like let's tease it a little bit and then let's get a little deeper and let's go for the kill you know what i mean but i think that he did great i like, like yeah. and i really like that like you said how he anointed himself the leader i am the guy um which which really leads to me to say who is going to be the leader of the burning troops?
2: that's a great question because i did see some some comments from from fans here and there about how they just despised what hannah did here with ken mm-hmm. and i think it's a good move to, to from what hannah did as a care at this character what he did yeah. in conjunction with ken now ken has been known to turn from face to heel and it seems like he's mm-hmm. kind of i don't know he's in a weird in-between area right now in terms of him versus the league yeah but ken is so well beloved by fans that right with Brandon Hanna pulling this stuff on Ken Knapsack, I mean, you are going to get some daggers your way uh, from the camp of Ken Knapsack, for sure. And so much so, I saw a comment saying that Christian has to step in and tell Brandon he can't pull this stuff. And to me, I said, Brandon, job well done. <laughs> Hell of an effort. Good job. Good effort. I mean, if – if you're getting people this bent out of shape, bravo, sir. Bravo. Well, you're doing your job. You're absolutely doing your job. And you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like
1: Again, I don't want to come off like I'm thinking that Brandon's sure. doing a bad job. He's doing a great job. He's doing a great job. I'm just looking for the next jump. You yeah, know what I mean? Let's, yeah. let's get a little deeper. Um, But I, I think that if you're annoying the fandom, it's great. It's exactly what you want to do and he does come off very smug does he have as a punchable face as mike kalinowski no one does but <laughs> do you do you want to shake him yes you want to be like oh, shut up do you ever you've had a dog or a cat or whatever yeah. and like have you ever been on your phone and and you're, you're like you're typing something or you're working on something and the cat comes up and they brush up against the phone or the dog's like and he's like yeah. trying to get your attention okay and you're like i love you i do But leave me the hell alone. I'm in the (laughs) middle of something, right? Give me five seconds, and I'll get back to you. Yeah, That's Brandon Hanna. Like, he's cute like a puppy dog. But you're like, just leave me alone. Like, leave me alone. I'm I'm trying to do something, and you're a little bit of a pest. And you're kind of getting under my skin. It's exactly what he needs to continue to do, but take it to the next level. Um, Andres Cabrera, though. Ace man. He's coming to play. Now... So winner of this plays uh, um, no uh, plays uh, 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 Laura Kelly, right? So yes. Ace goes on to play Laura Kelly. Yeah you know, don't love his chances, right? I don't love them, but I didn't think that he was going to beat Josh Caveto. I didn't think he was going to beat Ken Napsok. So what the hell do I know? <laughs> <Right>. Ace Cabrera <laughs> continues to to prove me wrong. I think that Laura's still my pick. She's my pick. I think Demolanta and Laura is probably going to be the final. That's what I'm thinking now. Right? But if Andres Cabrera can come through, boy, would this be a great run for swag. Would this be exactly what they need? Uh, Play and win. Win against Ken. Beat Laura. Get in the finals and have a shot to take the whole tournament. These are what dreams are made of. And I would like to think that that would put them very, 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 very close, if not on top, of the Finstock Exchange. And boy, would Winston Marshall be in contention for Manager of the Year, br- 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 brother?
2: For sure, Winston will be in contention for Manager of the Year for what he's done with uh, this squad, um, the way he's drafted, you know. And look, even Paul Oyama hasn't won a singles match yet, you know, and that's like one of his big dogs, right? Yeah. But he got a um, final exam out of it, and they look deadly. Mm-hmm. Chandra's awesome. playing for the Intergeekdom title sometime in the future. Now he's got this run, potentially, uh, with Ace. Uh, and then, then in Intergeekdom, he has, uh, you know, Paul, and he has Adam we have, I mean, uh, Lavik you know, took like an L, but we'll see what Paul can do against Chance. So they have a lot of good things going for them, and right now Ace, yeah, he did he did surprise me here. But I think what when you look at this match compared to his last match, he did regress a little bit. But I think you chalk that up to the the first round questions that they got were much more more difficult uh, than his first match for sure, for sure. Right. So where does he really lie? I feel like we know where. Laura Kelly lies. Look, I looked up the stat and it's an interesting one. In two matches, Ace has missed seven questions in two matches. It's a pretty nice start. Laura Kelly has played four matches, two more than Ace, double. In those four, she's only missed seven, the same amount as Ace, in twice as many matches. So that tells you the level that Laura has been at from the jump. And when you are at a level that Laura Kelly has been at and you continue to progress, as we saw in her latest match, she looked really dangerous. You know, you're right about Ace's chances. I don't know what what that match is going to look like for Ace. I, I feel like I know what it's going to look like for Laura Kelly based on her previous four matches. Very strong in the first round. I mean, she hasn't missed uh, a regulation first round question aside from a bonus right ace you know he, he's got i mean like like i said last this past match i don't know maybe it's an aberration maybe it's not i don't know we'll see how these questions continue to look as we get deeper into the tournament and if that's the case then i think players like ace are are in trouble against players like Lori kelly um Looking at Ace though in his second round, Revenge of the Sith, you know I think he played pretty well. Uh, he looked pretty confident in what he was doing, and then at the end, you know it was um, uh, it was a slugfest there at the end. So and, and he lived up to it. And to go up against Ken Knapsack, I think there's a considerable amount of uh, intimidation to to navigate. You know, this is a guy that for sure absolutely. I know Ace. This is a guy that Ace absolutely 100% respects and would probably go to him for any question he ever had about star wars uh but he's got to go up against him you know the whole master apprentice angle with this was um by the way fantastic promo i mean eric doesn't really have a whole lot to work with in in these types of scenarios where there's not a lot of history per se in schmodown history but somehow he just kills these promos and i'm I'm beyond blown away every time um but with all that said I, i think what ace did here today um, and able to hit a 2, 3, and 5-pointer. I think he's going to need to do that against Laura Kelly 100%, but can't he do it again? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think that you're right with, and, and here's the thing. Two things off what you just said. First off, you're 100% right when it comes to the intimidation factor, right? Ken Sox. this is a former champion. This is a guy who's been touted as having the greatest Star Wars match of all time, although I guess Demolanta and Scrimshaw is in the running as well now. <laughs> yeah. Um. But he definitely had one of the greatest of all time. And then double back and think of this. Think about um, beating a former champion, what that must do now to your confidence level if you're Andres Cabrera. Okay, I went in there. I beat Josh Caveto, but you know what? I probably should have beaten Josh Cavato. This is his debut, right? not only in Star Wars and the movie Tribute down as a whole. Um, I, okay, I feel pretty good. And then you go out there and you beat Ken Napsonk and you're like, wow, I just beat a former champion who people were saying, even on his worst day, is going to be a really tough guy to beat. I beat him. Now going up against Laura Kelly, does he have the irrational confidence needed to go in there with some super swag and take down lights out and leave the lights on? <laughs> it's possible.
2: <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's possible. Now, here's the other thing, too, though, is this match will tell us what the discrepancy is, like you said, between the top tier and the regular Star Wars players. I really think of it like the National Basketball Association. There's only a few stars. There's only a few lights out guys. Your Steph Curry's, your LeBron James, your Kawhi's, your James Horns, your Russell Westbrook's, your CP3's, your whomever else you want to throw into that conversation, Kevin Durant's, uh, Clay Thompson's. There's only a few of those guys, right? Those really super upper echelon mega stars and elite players, but there's still a couple hundred people in the National Basketball Association, right? They're they're good enough to be in the game. They are National Basketball Association players. They will school us 10 times out of 10 at the local court, in the local gym, any day of the week because they're that good, but they are not as good as the very best, and that's what we're going to see. Is Andres Ace Cabrera as good as the very best, or is he just a really, really good player? We're going to find out in his match against Laura Kelly. I'm still picking lights out Laura, but boy, would an
2: upset be fun. An upset would be huge, because there's two things when I look at Particular for when you look at corruption, when you look at swag. Now, swag has been chasing Finstock Exchange the entire year, and and they've it's been them in the dent, really nipping at the heels of Finstock Exchange. They, those two appear to only really have only real shot at catching Finstock Exchange. I know we still have plenty of season to go and tournaments to go, but I've I've done some like extrapolating in terms of forecasting and some sort of like mock simulation in terms of how the the rest of the year could play out. Um, I won't get into specifics of that, but it just seems like for Swag, if, if they're actually going to have a shot at catching Finsock Exchange or even winning you know, the whole faction race, uh, Ace needs to beat Laura Kelly. I don't know that's going to mm-hmm. happen. And if Corruption has any glimmer of hope of being competitive – in the faction race. Laura Kelly not only needs to make it to the final, but for sure, well, not for sure, but she would love to win the damn thing. Right. So, but what Bam. we've seen from Andrew DeMolanta, because that's the part I, I think DeMolanta and Laura Kelly, as you've said, that's going to be our final. Now, who's going to win that one? Who? I, I, I don't know. And I don't know if it's going to be a five rounder. I don't know if that's been put out there. Uh, because if it's a three rounder, what we're looking at another Demolano Scrimshaw match, I think wholeheartedly. Yeah. If it's a five rounder, well, I, I don't know how that's exactly going to work out. What avenue we're going to get to? I'm sure we'll find that out in, in the next you know week or two. I just, man, if Swag can, if Ace can pull this off, Swag is in business, <sighs> big time. I mean, big time. Because if they lose here, I, I, there's just. There's too much tournament left for Intergeekdom, a singles tournament, potentially, possibly a teams tournament. Finstock Exchange is too strong in in those areas still right now. And the only way that Finstock Exchange can be kind of slowed down is, first of all, them not winning this tournament. And if you're going to – if you can't knock them back, then you at least got to keep pace, and that means Ace has got to win. Right. Uh, so it's there's a couple couple roads here for swag, uh, for the den, and I think for corruption because inter tournament with Mike there, um, I think you know he's a favorite to get to the final on that side of the bracket. You know corruption still has to face founding fathers for the title. That could be huge in terms of momentum uh, going a different way other than FinSock Exchange. A lot there's a lot going on, man, and, and it's it's crazy that. Ace could really be kind of like a linchpin in terms of what the rest of the year is going to look like for certain factions, I think. Ace Ace
1: is definitely holding it there because if Ace beats Laura, not only does he put Swag in the position to get into first place, he, like you said, he completely destroys Corruption's chances of being competitive. Because right now, Corruption, they have Laura Kelly, a favorite, to at least be a finalist, if not the winner of the Star Wars tournament. And then on the other side of the bracket, in the IG... Uh, you have Mike Kalinowski, former two, two-time champion. Obviously, a lot of people are going to put a lot of stock in Mike Kalinowski to get to the finals. We're still thinking it's going to be Mike Kalinowski, Robert Parker. You do have Chance out there. I'm still questionable on Chance's ability in that inner geekdom division. I know that he's, he's, he's good, but is yeah. he great? I don't know. But, nevertheless, you have two credible players, one more than the other, who could get you to the finals, if not win the entire tournament as well. So, I really, you're really right about Ace Cabrera. If if he dethrones Laura Kelly, Shannon's just need to start looking toward next year. Yeah. Uh, if if yeah. if he doesn't beat her and Laura gets to the finals and even wins, she's you know looking good. I, maybe a top three finish. I don't know if she's going to get number one, but a top three finish most likely. So a lot of a lot of things holding in the cards. Frank, I'm going to give you the last word on this match before we move on.
2: Uh, Well, I will say is that Laura Kelly's run here for Corruption is immensely important, if only because of how far down they are in the faction ranking. So, like, they need every single win they can get. So if, like I said, if Ace puts a halt to that, it really won't matter what Corruption's going to do in Inner Geekdom uh, or a singles tournament or if they beat uh, Founding Fathers for for the team title. Yeah, they'll have a belt. And that's phenomenal. Not a lot of factions are going to have belts at the end of the year. But if Ace puts a halt in Laura Kelly's march towards the tournament final and potential tournament win, you know corruption can, you know, in a sense pack it up. Although you never know what could happen for Finsock Exchange. I, I don't know that they're going to implode for any other lower, uh, lower placed faction at the at the moment to kind of make up ground and catch them as well as swag and den overtaking them i don't know that finsock exchange is that is that vulnerable in in areas where you could see uh implosions like that but ace cabrera has become immensely important uh, in the next couple of weeks here to see what what the faction race could end up looking like for a number of for a number of teams And, and that's really cool yeah, no,
1: it, it, it's really awesome. So I'm excited to see um, uh, what what's going to happen going forward. Let's talk about the final match from the week, though. Let's talk about um, John Humphreys versus Janine the Machine. Koi John drew with the other half of the of of the team of the. Um, um, Oh wow! Can't Uh-oh. think of their name. What, can't think of. What, I'm uh, not gonna
0: bail you
2: out. I'm not gonna uh, bail you out here. Come on, Bo. Oh God! What on Bo?
1: Usual Suspects. That's not their name. No, it's not. Uh, uh, the the real rejects.
2: There it That's is. That's what I couldn't think of. It. Usual suspects, bam, 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 real bam. rejects. Thank
1: you. <laughs> um, the other half of the real rejects got to try his uh, uh, hand at Inner Geekdom. and then Janine the Machine, another highly touted player coming into the IG for the first time. What did you um? What did you think going into
2: this match? Well, I fully expected to see a good showing from Janine. You know, I think I talked about it earlier on a, a previous episode. She has all the resources in the world that you could possibly want to get prepared for inner geekdom. You know, Sam Levine. We talking about the Rachel Cushing thing, right? She's friends with, or was friends with, Brandon Hannah. You know, she's friends with Kevin Smith, the champ. You know, she has a lot of resources at her fingertips that. Um, you know, she could utilize and, and prepare herself in a, in a competent fashion. With John Humphrey, I didn't really know exactly what his his level of knowledge would be. I actually thought it would be pretty decent, given the fact of the nature of what they cover on their channel well. with him and Greg. Yeah, it, it, it just felt like it just felt like it kind of made sense. Like, after you sat there and, and looked at it, you go, well, actually, for the quirky works, I guess Greg and John would be pretty good for this if that's all they got you know uh and given the way like i said what they, the material they mostly cover on their channel i mean they cover a wide array of things but they do harp on some of the more geeky type of movies and i think when you have like koi may not be good at the game sure but he is a cornucopia of knowledge within a lot of those topics that he could lend a helping hand to both of those guys you know see what happened with craig and now i was curious to see what he would do with John. And if Greg and John, who, by the way, live together, are helping each other out, after I've seen Greg's match, i I got to think John's going to be pretty good too. So uh, I was yeah. looking forward to this match. I, I was looking forward to it, it, it just because, you know,
1: man, I'm such a big fan of Janine. You know, yeah. I really am. I'm such a big fan of Janine. And i got to be honest with you, Frank Janish, this, this match has discouraged me. In, in, in a lot of ways. Um, I feel like let's, instead of doing our normal breakdown, Janine took the L here. And it seems to be a conversation that we have a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, man, Janine's so good. Uh, it's just it didn't work out for her. The, the wheel didn't go her way. Do you think that that's still a valid argument to make or has she just not reached the next level yet? It's an
2: interesting It's an interesting point of conversation especially because we're in inner geekdom. This this wasn't this wasn't a singles match, it wasn't a teams match. So it's it's a different subject matter. It's a different regimen of pr- preparation for Janine. Um yeah. I will say, though, it, it there is something about second rounds for a Janine, and, and it just seems to transfer over here to Intergeekdom. Look, uh, is it is it more feasible to prepare, to be more well-prepared for a second-round category in Intergeekdom than singles or teams? I think so. But even still, you can get hit with things that you just didn't go deep enough in a certain area. Janine's, she missed one question in the first round. Which speaks to the level of player I think that she actually is in terms of overall movie knowledge. And while her record may not reflect what I'm about to say, I do think she is, up to this point, a 500 player across the board. And what I mean by that is that I don't know that she could win a title on her own in singles but she's an immensely beneficial team partner and with Intergeekdom I think she could next year, she could definitely get a couple wins uh, and, and it's going to depend on more preparation and some luck involved because I, I don't think she'll, and this goes for a number of players, I don't think they'll fully be at where they need to be in terms of IG title contenders there's only a few of those right now uh, right. and it takes a while to get to that level at least a year you know so and she's also dabbling in singles and teams so she's got a lot going on as opposed to single IG players like Smets or Chandru or Parker um, those players you can't all have you can't all be a Kalinowski or Rachel Cushing you know um, you can aspire to that but it's hard to reach those levels for Janine yeah it's when she gets a category, and you're just like, Ugh. you know, for a lot of these entry, first time debuting IG players, they're gonna rely a lot more on luck than than a seasoned IG player will have to. Right. And I and, and look, for all of of Sam's you know quote unquote complaining, I still I think he's right in his assessment that John Humphrey got a category that that was beneficial for him, and Janine did not. And that can sound like complaining, but when you really look at it. For debuting players, you know we said this about Alex Damon. It's like I don't know. He's gonna have to hit a, a strength to survive. You know, if he hits Star Wars, if he hits Star Wars uh, or Lord of the Rings, he's gonna be he should be all right. But you know that can only last for so long. A and B, um, you know then you have to advance your game. So for Janine's first debut match, I think it was. I think for like Janine, Greg, John. You look at uh, who else is debuting. Um, who else debuted? Any other debuting player, maybe Barbarian I mean, the, the even, lot, yeah. you know, yeah. Saul, you know, um, it, it would behoove them to land on a strength in second round, um, and, and that would increase their odds of of winning a match, you know, getting by, you know, buying, buying yourself some time to study out more for a second round match. And I think uh, Janine kind of ran into that. Janine and other rookies, debut, IG rookies rather, r- are in that same boat, and hers just... You know the spin just didn't go her way. If she had landed on MCU, you know, like she was, like she said, she was aiming for. I don't know that that John Humphrey wins the match, you know. And like I said, I think they kind of touched on it too about deferring. You know, that's Sam Levine's go to um, go to strategy, right? That's the thing he firmly believes in, and he's and he's imprinted that upon Jen and Janine here, and I think. When you look at both scenarios, both their opponents went perfect. Alex David went perfect in Star Trek, and John Humphrey went perfect in in Wizarding World. And like I said before, this is where I think the strategy can backfire on you. Now, Janine actually had a little bit more of a cushion uh, than Jen did. So uh, it's a little different for for Janine's situation, but I don't know. I, I think for debuting players, I think... There is something to be said about deferring the second round, but also I think that you have to look at the situation you're in, who you're playing against, you know, have they, you know, this is debuting, so if you're playing well, I don't know, you know, it, it depends on your philosophy, and if you're willing to adjust your philosophy based on certain situations, which it seemed like Sam may not be in that camp, given the fact that both his players deferred and then got burned by perfect rounds from their opponent, Ensuing that you know, yeah. weird, just so no. Weird. I mean,
1: I, I I think that I'm really beginning to turn on the um, deferment strategy. I I don't I don't find it to be a credible strategy, in my opinion, because at one point it seemed like yeah, let's see what they get and then we'll work you know around it and no no you know the goal that we have to hit. But especially in in Star Wars, we've seen it more. But even this IG. If your category is on the wheel, you do not want, and you know this is my knockdown, drag out strength, you do not want to allow your opponent to get it before you do. You just don't want that to happen. And um, DCEU obviously wasn't Janine's strength. She tried to reason her way through it. I mean, and she even hit her two and her her three, made John hit his two, went to five. Happened to be a DCEU question. Obviously, not what she wanted. I think the answer was slip Slipknot. Uh, yeah. Just, it was one of those unfortunate events, but I just feel like the series of unfortunate events always happens to Janine, and I it just it's just one of those things. You remember when, like, Rachel, before she became Rachel Cushing, we were always like, man, she's so good, and she gets right there. She's right there. And then it always seems to fall short. I, I hate to put this on her, but I almost feel like that's the new rap on Janine. It's like she's so good. She has all this knowledge. She knows the skill of the game. I even go back to the, the X-Men Apocalypse question in the New York Live event in Brooklyn two years ago or a year ago, whenever that was. It's always she's right there at the finish line, and then something happens. And it really – it's very irritating to watch as a massive fan of hers. And yeah. I'm not saying it's irritating because of her play. It's just, it's just like, oh, my – god, it's like being a Rockets fan. We're right there. We have all the <laughs> yeah. talent. Why aren't we getting past the Warriors? I don't know. And I, I just – I feel like that's kind of where she is right now. And I get her IG, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just – I want to see her break through so badly because I know she has all the makings of a champion. And, and,
2: I, and I think that she's going to get that title someday. It's just win. I think when you look at – going back to the second-round strategy, I, I think it's become much more situational rather than mm-hmm. this is the philosophy and you stick with This it. is the way. This is Right, this is the way. And especially for Intergeekdom, though, I think you got to just throw that completely out because there's too many overlapping strengths amongst competitors. There's too many, right? And even though these are two debuting players, I think, you know, MCU for, for Janine and John Humphrey would be a strength, right? So if, you know, and obviously, I mean, Wizarding World was a strength for John and he, he he got first crack at it, you know. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because if Jeanine goes first, and let's say she landed on DCEU and she spun again, and then she lands on Wizarding World, maybe it wasn't her strength, but maybe she's she does she does better at it than she does DCEU, but now it's off the board for John because inner geekdom is much more different second round in terms of spinning first or second. Um and I think it could not be more perfectly displayed uh, than it was against for, for for Jen and Janine unfortunately for them i think it could not be right. more perfectly displayed how the spin second strategy just really doesn't apply to Intergeekdom, or star wars for that matter as well you know it, it, i don't think it applies the same way it applies for singles and teams i, I just don't think it does right
1: yeah it, it is one of those it is one of those odd things um i just we'll, we'll see We'll we'll see uh, what happens for Janine moving forward. I think that maybe I think that she has the ability in IG. Just you know, it wasn't it wasn't her round here. Um, it, now for John, I don't have the bracket in front of me, but where does this put uh, the next for him next uh, round? Where, where are we looking at for John? Who are his potential opponents?
2: He is going to play the Barbarian. Oh, who is his potential? Yeah. So, I mean, look, him <laughs> good. If I if <laughs> if I'm led to believe that Barbarian's more of a well-rounded overall player and that encompasses inner geekdom, and I think John Humphrey is a more of a, a, a pigeonhole type of specific type of subject matter that that if he gets, it could be a long day at the office for Barbarian, uh, and which is the same thing for Greg Alba and Kalinowski, you know I think if they get their wanted categories in the second round, it's gonna be a long day for the favorites of Barbarian and Kalinowski, so. Uh, you know, because it goes back to what I what I said earlier. It's it, these newer types of players to intergeekdom are leaning more on their their initial go to strengths rather than players right. like Kalinowski who who've built up everything. You know, like Chandru and, and and the like. You know, they've built up every category where they probably have their preferred slice. But if they were to land on something else other than that, they'd be like, eh, that's fine too. I don't think John Humphrey or Greg Alba or players like Janine and Saul of that ilk are at that level. They're like, I really if I get this, then I'll feel really good about this. If I don't, it could be a struggle. You know, so there's there is that difference between caliber of IG player and when you have two of them in the same match, like John and Janine, yeah, it's gonna those those differences in, in categories taken and, and landed on are going to be um highlighted more. Yeah.
1: Um I, I agree, but um man, I I'm still I'm still salivating if that's an appropriate term, over the, the potential of a barbarian Robert Parker oh my goodness. Or, or, or barbarian Mike Kalinowski. Um oh there's so many great matchups. Hey, I, you I just want just to see Barbarian
2: play everyone, is that is that what it comes down to? I do. <laughs> I do. I'm
1: a big fan I'm a big fan of, of the barbarian. Uh, I'm a really big fan, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think that I think that this IG tournament, Star Wars tournament, again they've been killing it. All killer, no filler. So I'm excited to see the future of these matches and where we will end up. I'm, I just let's can we just like Delorean time machine it to the finals? I want to know. What? I already want to know what the final is. I can't yeah, wait. I, I cannot mean... wait any longer. <sighs> At least give me one match I want to see title matches, man. Yeah. That's what I miss I, more than anything. I miss the title matches.
2: I want to see some championships on the line. I mean, even I mean, you're 100% correct. I would love to see some some titles on the line, but we are still getting some doozies in these three-round matches and um and it's only going to ramp up and we're we're there now with Star Wars. We're there now. I think with Laura Kelly and Ace and DiMolanta and Molly, look, uh, yeah, we've said it. I got DiMolanta and Kelly, and that match, pff, fire, dude, fire. I mean, that is going to be a ridiculous rematch, a rematch mm. for a shot at Damon once again. Can can Laura Kelly be, you know, that blockade to stop DiMolanta from having a crack at Alex Damon, or will Laura Kelly finally get another shot? At and Alex Damon. And it and it starts next week I'm sorry. Well yeah, it does start next week with uh going up against Molly and uh Oh so then the inner geek. Oh, that's another one. God
1: man, these matches keep coming. They keep coming, Frank Janish, but I think that we can put a bow on it for this episode. Um before we do, match of the week. What was your match of the week? Ooh, match
2: of the week. Uh, yeah, it has to be Ace and, and Ken for sure. For me, it's, it was
1: Alex and Jim. Yeah, that's a close one. I was one. sweating. Yeah.
2: I was nervous, sweating, watching it. I, it's so, um, definitely an underrated, great match so far, I think. I don't think, I don't know if it's going to get a lot of respect at the end of the year, but it is a great match. Yeah. Yeah, it was
1: real good. So, what do y'all know? What do y'all think? What do y'all know? What do y'all think? What was the match of the week? Which one had you on the edge of your seat? Leave us a comment below. You can follow me on all social media at Brad Gilmore. Follow the show at SD. Rundown on Twitter and Instagram and I think Shmodown Rundown on Facebook
2: Frankie J let the people know where they can find you yeah you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29 I felt like I said that what did I say? did you already say that? did I I don't know man I just my brain just left my my head for a second there you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29 just in case I didn't get that right the first time I don't know It doesn't matter. Oh, well, hey, man, you never know. But for Frank Janisch, I am the boat Brad Gilmore.
1: This is the Schmodown Rundown, and we will see you next week.
0: Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America.